welcome to episode 98 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we are continuing our discussion with our penultimate recap of the Donna Yang Chin by FCE with chapters 33 through 36. In this episode, you can obviously expect full spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, as well as potential spoilers for both Kiyoshi novels. Before we get into the discussion though, Kayla, how's it going? So far, pretty good, you know, gearing up for Thanksgiving and everything and... You know, um, this weekend, as of like this recording, it's going to be this weekend. But by the time this episode releases, uh, my girlfriend and I will have seen Hades Town because they're coming to Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm so excited! I found that I finally get to see it. Cece uh, does not like; she only knows that it's about like Orpheus and Eurydice, and it's like you know I described like kind of like the vibe of it, but she doesn't know anything else besides that, like the basic. Oh, so she's going in blind. She's going in blind. She hasn't really listened oh. to a lot of the music. I think I maybe played one or two songs for her. But she's like the kind of person who doesn't listen to uh, the album before seeing a musical. Like we did that when we saw Evil Dead. Like, you know, um, so I'm, I'm the opposite. I like just kind of absorb everything I can about it without like watching bootlegs yeah. if I really want, to, you know, if I really want to be completely unspoiled. Mm-hmm. But I'm more, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just have to get the vibe of the show before I go see it, you know? So. Yeah, I think every 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 show is different like that. I think like, like for Hades Town, if I had like the choice, I would have loved to go in blind. Um, but I, it definitely doesn't like ruin your experience or anything. But I think y'all are gonna be pretty blown uh, away. It's a it's a really great. I'm so excited. Like I've been listening to Hades Town's like music for the last few years, and like I've watched like some really good video essays about like the development of the show, and so it's cool to see. Like even though I haven't, like I mean. I know what happens in the story. I know what all the songs sound like. I haven't listened to the full soundtrack a lot recently. I've only done one full mm-hmm. playthrough of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I'm still kind of like still pretty relatively blind here. She's got she's got a blindfold. I have those horse blinders on, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> but I'm really excited. We're gonna yeah. dress up too. We're gonna dress up like uh Persephone and Hades. So I'm really excited about that. Any chance I get to play dress up is super fun <laughs> love that yeah. love that yeah you guys are gonna love it oh, i'm so excited but how are you how about you what are you up to i'm doing good um i just just before we hopped on recording i packed away all of our halloween stuff so we're gearing up for christmas uh we're gonna start decorating um after thanksgiving the weekend after so excited for that um but honestly we're kind of like soft launching like we already got some like Christmas candles going through the house, you know, we're getting into the mood. We're putting on Christmas ambiances on our TVs, that sort of thing. So kind of like soft launching Christmas this year. Um, but I have a big update that I am sure everyone is going to be interested to hear. I finally watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes! And let me just say, it is everything that I expected it to be. And I loved it. Yes! I absolutely loved it. Oh! I'm so glad otherwise we wouldn't be friends anymore. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Would that be a deal breaker? Uh, a little bit. I feel like I feel like that'd be a little bit of a deal just breaker. Just a little bit. But I knew you'd love it. Cause it's just like it's big campy good time. Strangest yeah. fuck. 
Um, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I appreciated all of the little updates. Like he was texting me updates, and the next day he sent me his Frankenfurter impression. I fucking died. My castmates <laughs> loved it, by the way. I sent it to my castmates. That's awesome. Oh my god, I'm always excited whenever someone like discovers Rocky Horror, so to speak. And you know, well, now your next step yeah. is to go see the Shadowcast production of it. That's your next step. Got to do that. Now. Which I have, which I have learned that there are a couple around where I live. Unfortunately, I literally just missed the height of it because yes. Halloween has just passed. But now I know for next year, mm-hmm. I definitely want to go to one of them. But yeah, and I, I like, I was so interested about it because like the whole time I was like very keenly aware that this came out like in the 70s. And I was like from like just like a, I guess like, a, I don't know, like a, a queer studies perspective or whatever. I'm like, this is like so interesting. And I'm I'm like really interested in how people reacted to it at the time and then i watched this video about how um it flopped like it flopped but like if yeah flopped hard but then it like found this cult following and then like you know all the the traditions about like the rice and the hot dogs and all that and i was like that's so interesting yeah and it's like it's also really interesting that it's just like still so alive today too absolutely um i don't know i i just i don't know i was just like this is this is it was like definitely I'd say really ahead of its time too. Absolutely. Um and I was also like happy to like find out that like the the movie is was actually like pretty close to like the original version. Like it's like a fairly faithful adaptation. I've also been educated that when it's the movie, it's Rocky Horror Picture Show. But when it's performed, it's just the Rocky Horror Show. Yeah, when it's the so. musical and not the Shadow Cast, it's the Rocky Horror Show. And as someone who's seen both the Shadow Cast production and also like a live musical production, I can definitely attest to that. There's maybe a couple of like dialogue differences. There is a deleted song that appears in the stage show that does not appear in the movie, um, but it is on some of the soundtracks. It's Once in a While. Um, but there is a good callback that we have that references once in a while. So it's fun. Um, but yeah, again, it's very also, yeah, very, very faithful to the stage show. Uh, one big difference between the stage show and the movie is that Rocky talks in the stage show. Uh, so that, that was, that was weird to experience. I was like, (laughs) wait, what? Yeah. Rocky (laughs) talks in the stage show. It's almost like Peter Hinwood couldn't act. Um, (laughs) one thing i wasn't uh prepared for though is just how many songs was in the movie like i had this idea that there was like maybe like four or five songs there's like a song like every minute it's like practically sung through yeah like i did i like didn't like expect that at all um but i'll say my my favorite song is i mean obviously like the time warp is like pretty amazing Mm -hmm. and then um when Frankenfurter comes in, sweet ter- like the first yeah, song. Yeah, Sweet Transvestite. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. And I, w- I was like, again, like in the 70s, like a sweet transvestite, transsexual Transylvanian. I'm like, this is like, this is so cool to me. Oh, and yeah. I also love the fact that they're basically like aliens. They're like, not basically course, aliens. Like, why they not? are aliens. They are aliens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but also it was great about Rocky Horror, though, is like the fact that it was another queer like filmmaker that paved the way for Rocky Horror with um midnight screenings because John Waters films were so successful at the time the midnight screenings of those films that's where like the executive at Fox one of the executives at Fox got the idea hey we should make this add this to the midnight movie screenings and that's how it became the cult classic it is today so from one queer trailblazer to another you know absolutely fascinating I love that I love it 
And I also love how the fact that like the shadow cast thing is a thing because it because those midnight screenings were like so popular and like the energy was like crazy. It like started because people were getting up and like reenacting the movie as it was happening. And I was like that. That is just so cool because you just don't hear about that like a whole lot either. Yeah, you know? it's it's so, so and organic. I'm, I'm, I'm like also relatively new to the world of like cult ca- cult classics. Welcome. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, I was just it was just amazing. I have some I recommendations for you once we're done. Then, uh, I got plenty of other ones. If you want to do? Some well, years. I could probably just go through our our docs for like the last ten episodes because like it's all just cult classic musicals. <laughs> yeah, but I will also just tell you about them anyway. All right. We'll we'll do a Rocky Horror podcast in the future. Probably. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to the news because we actually got a pretty big piece of news mm. here. Um. So just this past week, we got big news about the first Avatar Studios theatrical release, and the film that will center around the gang as young adults will be released on October tenth, twenty twenty five. Now, this was uh originally projected to release in twenty twenty four. Uh, my theory is I think they wanted to wait till 2025 um, because that is the year that is the 20th anniversary year for when the show first aired. Oh, I didn't think of that. That's my theory. It could also change because normally when films uh, like set a premiere date this far in advance, it almost will almost certainly change whether it's by a couple of months or maybe sometimes even a whole year. And that could be a year forward or a year back. We don't know. Um, and I'm fine I, with them taking their time on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they're in an, a unique situation because, I mean, like, the, I mean, the marketing department has it, got it easy for this film, you know, because we don't... I I, I think it's interesting that they, they feel pretty confident that literally with no information about this film at all that they can set a release date and people will know about it. Um, but yeah, love that. Um, this this uh, this movie will also have an exclusive theatrical premiere, like we said, and then it will be available to stream on Paramount Plus. Um, so you got a couple years to like get your your nine ninety nine ready for when that comes. Um, and then as of right now, Aang and Katara are confirmed by Avatar Studios and Paramount to pr- appear in the film. Obviously, there's probably a good chance we will get everybody else like Sokka, Toph, and Zuko. Some people mm-hmm. are theorizing that this movie is the Zuko, like, you know, standalone movie. Um, I don't know about that. I think that will probably be either after this film or it'll at some point happen separately. I don't think this is that movie. Um, but there is there are theories and rumors swirling around that it is, but we will see. And um, I I can't remember if we knew this already. I'm pretty sure we did, but uh, it was also confirmed that this film will have an all original story. So this is not an adaptation of any of the comic books, any of the extended um, like universe stuff. This is going to be a completely all new original story, um, which is so exciting. Um, and I can only imagine what it will be about. Um, but I mean, it's going to be three long years. But as always, you can definitely count on us to give you all updates. Um, someone also pointed out that this is 2025 will probably also be the year where the second season of the live action Netflix series will be around. So it's going to be a busy year for Avatar mm-hmm. fans. There's going to be a lot happening. Also, I think this is the year that like, 
a new Star Wars trilogy is supposed to start. And I think there was something else that was supposed to start that year, too. So it's going to be it's going to be a big year. Big year oh, for yeah. sure. Big, big year for pop culture. Absolutely. Any any feelings about this release date? You're just like, good, I'll wait or. Oh, yeah, I'm good with I'm like, especially because like it's the. Uh, I, I know we've had like plenty of other Avatar content in the years since the last season of Avatar, the last Airbender aired. Um, but like this is like the first time we've revisited in the like original format, I guess you would say, with an animated yeah. production. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like this is pretty big. Uh, so I'm really glad that they're like, take your sweet time, guys. That's mm-hmm. totally fine. You'll have people waiting for you, like for yeah. this. Just like you know, that's all I care about is as long as they put as much you know loving time and effort into it that they put into the series then i am not worried about this release date whatsoever yeah yeah and i i hope that um they will i hope that they will like regularly release info about this film since there is like such a long wait time I hope that we like start getting some new concept art soon, start maybe getting some teasers, you know, who knows what we can get or just some more details about the story. Um, I don't imagine like just by the nature of of Brike and, and Avatar Studios, I don't imagine this will be like a hush hush thing until the movie actually comes out. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just I'm just interested to see how this movie is going to be marketed. Right. Because it is like an animated film, but it's not like. It's more along the lines of like a Into the Spider-Verse where it can be like for all audiences instead of targeted towards a young audience. So I'm interested to see, um, you know, because animated films like that, like don't really get theatrical releases a lot. It's usually I just go straight to streaming. So I'm mm-hmm. just it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out um, or broadcasted on the channel that they were right, from. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I I. I have like a very like cosmic feeling too that it's going to be just from what from what I've experienced with Korra. I feel like this film is going to be extremely divisive. I'm just going to call it now. I feel like this will be divisive and I feel like it's going to be a loud minority, a loud minority of people who are going to hate this. I think for the most part, it'll be a unifying moment for the community and fandom. I hope for five minutes, <laughs> for five minutes. Yeah. And then um, people will start turning on the film as they do. It's the Internet. You know, everything is great and hunky dory. And then suddenly everyone hates the film. Like that's just going to happen with something as popular mm. as this. Um, so and we will be there. I, I just I don't know what they could do for me to come out of this film and hate it. Like yeah. I, I have like full confidence that I will probably most likely love this. So and probably cry while watching it. I will, I if, will. Yeah, I will probably definitely cry as soon as I hear the Avatar music. I will most probably one thousand percent definitely cry. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to see if we can maybe go see it together, like in person. I would love something. that. We're also like... gonna be like what almost thirty when this comes out too. Love that. Yeah. Uh, Pish I don't posh. <laughs> And then it'll be 20 years. That's crazy. That's crazy. I love that Avatar is like almost becoming like the new Star Wars almost. Like they're going on like year 20. Yeah. Especially with like how much bigger the universe is getting with, you know, Avatar Studios, like, you know, the novels, the comic books, uh, you know, 
Avatar Studios. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like... And they've said repeatedly, like, like we got a lot of things coming down, like, the pipeline. So, oh, it's yeah. definitely going to be interesting to see for sure. For sure. All right. Well, why don't we take our ad break here? And then when we come back, we will talk about the next four chapters of Donnie Yang Chen. All right. See you in a bit. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we're back with our recap of the Donna Yang Chen. Uh, so a lot happened in these four chapters. It, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot happened. happened. Lots of emotions, lots of things. Well, <laughs> let's just let's just get the big thing out of the way. We finally learn what the unanimity thing is, and it's actually a pretty big twist. Yeah. What do you think about it? Combustion vendors. Like at first, I was like, "Wait, what are these people?" And then, like, and then because I was like. Uh, and then I realized, I'm like, wait, did they mention having like tattoos on their forehead? And they didn't. No. This is before having the mark on their forehead. Yeah. But they do reference like, okay, well, first of all, like, I mean, I guess maybe we should talk about other things before bringing up the forehead stuff. But yeah, uh, that was kind of, honestly, it's kind of like a similar caliber to lightning bending. And I was introduced in Kiyoshi. Um, yeah. And it happens about like the, at the same point in each story too. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I didn't know at first, like, what was going on. And then, like, when it finally clicked, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And I can't believe, like, we never guessed that. Like, yeah, like, they are definitely out of all, like, the sub techniques of bending. That is probably, like, one of the most catastrophic. And I can't yeah. believe, like, we never even and thought rare. of that. And rare. And also yeah. rare, too. Which we do kind of find out what makes it so rare. Yeah. Um, it's a little allusion to that. But that makes, but like looking back on like so the context clue that we got in the last section where like, you know, we saw like a target practice area. Yeah. That makes such sense. Yeah. Like, it makes a lot of sense. The now. kind of damage that would be left behind those craters would be definitely from a combustion bender. Right. And, and it's interesting too, because like as I was starting these chapters, I was thinking like the thing that Ying Chen found with Mama Unirak was, was like, a red herring like it actually wasn't you know what unanimity was it was like just more false information and then um and then there's that moment where like the crate with unanimity like you know like drops and it's just filled with rocks and I, and i'm like what the fuck is going on and then kavik realizes it's like human beings and i'm like well what can they do and then it, it's i love it too because the way fc describes it in the book like he he articulates because in the show before the actual combustion happens, there's like a pop pop sound that happens right before it. And I was like, pop, what the fuck is going on? And then like it like it, I think it finally clicked when Kavik was like, what kind of firebender can create that much havoc? And and like, cause he was like trying to like figure out what it was like. And then I was like, Oh, it, they're combustion vendors. And I think that's actually a really, really cool twist. I think, that I was like, okay, okay, FCE, okay. Like it's 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 all you. worth it now. I I actually really really love this twist. I was really on the edge of my seat for these chapters too, and 
Um, yeah, considering how hard it is to take down a combustion bin, but like you got to be real fucking creative to get around them. And right. You got two very creative methods, and we got a third in this chapter yeah. or these chapters, I should say. Yeah. Like, yeah, combustion bender is just like, I like what's a good com- comparison to something like in another pop culture thing of just like that character or that ability is introduced, and you know that the characters are in for a tough go at it mm-hmm. you know i don't know what a good comparison would be um in other pop culture I can't they're almost right like now. the um the the dark troopers in the mandalorian yeah almost kind of like that you yeah know? when they're introduced and also like the um oh, fuck what was it um yeah i'm thinking another star wars thing but i can't remember what I don't know. I, I I'm keep losing my mind here. That's okay. But just, you know, just like, you know, someone's in for a hard time yeah. as soon as that kind of ability or, you know, I guess also in the case, sometimes like when even when dragons are introduced in something and introduced well as mm-hmm. like an adversary, like, um, you know, Fox Machina facing off against a dragon and then like uh, in critical role and then spoiler alert for Vox Machina just ahead of time um then all of a sudden you see how hard it was to fight one dragon and then at the end of the season first season of the animated series legend of vox machina you suddenly see a horde of dragons Mm. and that's kind of like that that's kind of made me feel the same way because you're like fuck they're in for it right well then we also get some like more insight into because i think we've both always wondered like there are there seem to be very few combustion benders this seems to be like a very rare sort of skill and we get some insight into um, from the three combustion benders that came that that, you know, make up unanimity. And it it turns out that so this is not a skill that you're born with. Um, this is a skill that is obtained through a apparently very rigorous and dangerous training process, which apparently includes submerging firebenders in water. Which I think is interesting since water is the opposite element to fire. And that's the way, or at least that's part of the process to be able to do that. I imagine it has something to do with the breathing because it's notated many times that the combustion benders need to like do a couple like heavy breaths before they can actually, you know, that's like a big part of like how they pull that off. So I'm imagining it has something to do with the breathing that is involved. Um, but there is a, a very like Im- implied suggestion here that most people don't survive this training, that they drown trying to learn this skill, which is why there are probably so very few um, combustion vendors. Yeah. And then you've, that's even illustrated in the show, too, when you see like combustion man and when you see uh, police doing their combustion bending, you do see them take those deep breaths before yeah. they fire. You know, so that was cool to kind of continue this a little bit. It gives us just a little bit more on combustion benders, but like at the same time, not like over explaining it because right. we've seen it before. Right. But I still want to know more. And then you, uh, you said they didn't mention that they had tattoos. I don't, I don't think they did. I don't think it says whether they it, it, it said something about like like pressure hen- and pen- yeah, like an invisible hole in their forehead or something that. Hen- yeah, that like hen- she about, mentions. Like, they, like, 
Yeah, they were like touching their foreheads and stuff, like almost like, you know, like trying to like relieve the sort of pressure in the center of their forehead. Yeah. And which is also partially why I had a hard time at first believing that it was they were combustion vendors. I'm like, where's the tattoo? Where's the tattoo description? Right. And then I realized, okay, so I guess the tattoos came later to, I guess, maybe alleviate that kind of pressure. Yeah. Uh, in the center of the forehead. Yeah. Probably with like playing with pressure points or chi. Um, yeah. And, and the way the training process is, des- is described in the way the combustion measures are described, this seems to be like a, a pretty recent discovery. You know, I feel like these are probably some of the first combustion benders because mm-hmm. we see it. It mentions that it takes like an incredible amount of energy each time. Like they're like horking down food in between blasts. Um, mm-hmm. But we see like in the shows like combustion man and police, they can fire off like a couple at a time with relative ease. So it's probably Mm -hmm. a skill that, you know, had evolved the same way. Like metal bending is different in Atla than it is in Korra. In Korra, it's, it seems to be more fluid, more fluid. There's more technique to it, you know? Um, So that's why I'm kind of getting the feeling like these are kind of like the first of their kind. uh, Cause it's like a pretty, pretty rudimentary version of combustion bending. Although we do find out that, um, at least one of them, um, the woman is it doesn't need as much time in between blasts. Um, but yeah, I just I just thought it was so. And so basically what they're there for is to basically make the people who've been there think that there's some sort of like spiritual retribution happening, um, which I think is interesting because it it I think that kind of lends more credence to um, like the ancient side quest, which is still very side questy. But that was all about a town you know um that respect disrespected the spirits and the spirits retaliated it was kind of almost like a red herring which it which is why it made me think unanimity was going to be something tied to the spirits but Mm -hmm. it's like yes and no yeah exactly which i think is really cool um and like at this point they're just basically creating fireballs in the sky right there's no actual like real damage happening and then they're when Henchi is like, you know, we got to exact a toll. It's like actually like take some people out. And then this crazy thing happens where one of them, you know, is like getting ready to like blast and like Henchi's counting the amount of breaths and he gets up to 40 breaths and he's like, what's going on? Like what's happening? Also, apparently, side note, um, apparently the amount of breaths indicates how powerful a blast is going to be. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, according to the Avatar Wiki, a, com- uh, a blast from a combustion bender, if powerful enough, can evaporate large bodies of water. Didn't know that. Now we do. Shit. I didn't check the source oh, on that. Shit. I'm assuming it's a comic book thing. I didn't want to spoil myself. Um, yeah. But that's a thing. Um, so he's like taking all these breaths and then suddenly we realize like, you know, there's like no air in the room. And then I was like, um, that was immediately my hint that Yang Chen was there because yeah that was fucking cool though I mean I know it was pretty metal as fuck I'm not gonna lie oh yeah (laughs) I'm not gonna lie yeah it's like up there with like metal moments when like in like Kiyoshi like you know her Yang Chen isn't here I'm here kind of thing Mm -hmm. like just like that same kind of like uh the chills like that was that was fucking cool at first I thought thought she was doing like the spiral ball thing that Zaheer did to the Earth Queen because I imagine to the people in the world, you can't actually see see the sphere. I thought that's what was happening, but no, mm-hmm. Yangchen is literally air bending the air out Ouch. of the room, which is I want to know how she does because there is an open window in the room, so like she has to create like 
not only is she draining the air out of the room, but in creating a vacuum, kind of a but there's vacuum. like some sort of barrier to make sure that the air doesn't come back in. That's like an incredible skill, right? Yeah. Um, and it it also we do get a moment of Yang Chen kind of like grappling with this because she notes that this is like a pretty vile air bending technique and that she only uses it in like very dire cases. And I think I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I think her doing this is a nice callback to what she tells Aang in the Atlas series finale, when she says selfless duty calls you to sacrifice your own spiritual needs and do whatever it takes to protect the world. Because this is something that is morally and spiritually compromising for her, but she has to do it before, you know, the entire city is leveled. Um, yeah. So I thought, I thought that was a pretty like cool encapsulation of what she told Aang. Um, oh, absolutely. That's what I was thinking too. And it's definitely, I mean, this is probably, this isn't the only thing that, that reminded me of that too she's like had to do this like pretty much the the entire novel um and i i I wish we got to see more of her grappling with that but it seems to me like all the grappling over that is like something that's already happened and she's just kind of accepted i have to do things that that spiritually morally compromise me if it's to save the world you know keep balance you know yeah i also want to point out like i think this has been a, another like tumblr post maybe i'm not sure if we discussed it on the podcast or not but there is a post about like airbender culture and like the ability that airbenders have to really suck the air out of the room as we've seen with Sahir doing out the earth queen and you know it's kind of implied that monkey Yatsu did that with the firebenders that attacked him like I don't know like someone brought up like why air nomad culture is like such it has such an emphasis on you know being peaceful and things like that because they have the ability to wreak that much destruction on people mm-hmm. you know um that like you know you can take people away from water you can take people away from the earth you know but you can't like you can, i mean not like well airbenders can but it's much harder to get the air out of the room and that is you're kind of fucked you know <laughs> So, I don't know, it just definitely raises an interesting question about, like, some of the origins of airbender culture and, like, whether they kind of implemented those heart, those beliefs to kind of protect the world from themselves almost a little bit. I don't know. Big, big brain question. I feel like that's a whole episode by itself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and then I think the last thing I'll say about these chapters is um, while I thought it was it's pretty apparent that i think these four chapters are pretty much like the climax of our story the pacing of everything was to me extremely weird because there was large portions of it where it was like this happened and then this happened and then kavik did this and then this happened and then three days it's three days later and then yang chen did this and then this happened and i was like wait 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 slow down slow down slow down like we're in the climax of the story everything is ha- and then suddenly like everyone's here and then they're doing this thing and i, I was it, it just kind of like i was like huh was, especially because the the pacing of the entire novel has been like pretty like it's like normally paced right i don't feel like it was too slow too fast whatever and then suddenly we're in the climax and we're just like speeding through everything and yeah. i'm like i mean like we took out the combustion benders in like two chapters essentially <laughs> you know so i was like oh okay i, I uh, okay okay um maybe the climax isn't the point of the story we'll see what happens in these last four chapters but it was that i don't know if you felt that too but it was it just felt a little yeah because like i thought you know like i said previously in the episode like you know 
combustion benders present a unique challenge for the the protagonists of any avatar story but yeah i did feel like they were kind of taken down a little too quickly uh i kind of wish they were introduced maybe a little earlier and kind of show like more of what's at stake i guess you know i think the big thing for me was that we just sped back but then also how difficult yeah three days yeah that's or at least a couple of days yeah Yeah. that's what i mean like i kind of felt like you know kind of seeing more of like the yeah it was it was too fast for me too i mean i I know like we had to do that so we could get yang chen into the city fine i guess um but it was just again it was like the big unanimity thing happens and then it was just three days go by and nothing's really changed and i'm like sure okay um and then some more things that happen. Judita comes back. Um, and apparently it's implied that he seems to have been like exiled or something from the Yuyan mm-hmm. archers because <clears throat> they're planning to take out the last combustion bender. And they're going to have Judita basically like strike her with an arrow. But there's like some hesitation there. And then Yangchen says you're breaking like some sort of vow. Right. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means like Yuyan archers can only use a Yuyan bow or something, or if he was exiled from the group and he like was made to swear that he would never pick up an arrow again. I don't know. Um, but I, I just thought that was interesting. Again, I, I think a really cool character would have loved him to come in earlier, but all good. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's this moment here where they've uh, team Yang Chen has like basically cornered the last combustion bender and this is the one that you know doesn't need a whole lot of time in between blasts um and they basically like have to draw her out so they can like get a shot and then yang chen like comes out and it's basically like you're you are speaking to the avatar you know let us discuss terms all this stuff that doesn't go well um but there's this really cool moment here where um you know the combustion bender takes a blast and yang chen like basically like airbending like sprints towards her and it's like described like the blast from the or like the 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 force from the blast like gained helped her gain momentum and it just reminded me of that scene where ang is like speed running down the wall of bossing say it kind of reminded me of that um so i thought that was i don't know if that was an intentional callback but i thought that was really cool um Mm -hmm. and then when yangchen finally gets up to where the last combustion bender is she's about to like you know take the air out of the room but there's something in her that tells her to just go in um and the combustion matter has already been taken down um by jujinta and she goes to heal this person she says no one else has to die right and the combustion bender thanks her right so this and this was a really interesting development too because i don't know i didn't get the the impression that the combustion benders were there against the world i mean they were getting paid to do this um, mm-hmm. But maybe this specific combustion bender was kind of brought there against her will or didn't want to do, you know, what what they were paid to do. Um, I guess we'll find out more. Um, oh, and like the Earth King and his army is like outside the city. Oh, that, yeah. That also by, the happened too. <laughs> by the way, that's what I meant about the pacing. And it was like, oh, and the Earth King and his army are outside. I, I was like, OK, cool. Great. Cool. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, <sighs> um. <sighs> But yeah, that's where we kind of end the chapter by Yang Chen healing this last combustion bender. And we'll see how I, I don't imagine like what what else is left of the story. Um I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like it ends with the dissolution of the 
the Shangs. I don't know, like, what's going on. I don't know if, like, Benair will be, like, open again where people could leave if they want to. Hopefully that's the case. We don't know mm-hmm. if Kalyan will come back to the family. Not sure about that. There was a mention that Kavik, like, went back to his parents at some point um, to kind of, like, wait out, you know, the the explosions. Um but yeah, everyone's we're just kind of in this place. I guess we'll see what happens um, in the last four chapters. So, and hopefully we'll we'll get an answer uh, as to whether or not we can expect a second book. Um, if there's, I'm assuming if there's a cliffhanger at the end of the epilogue, there will be some kind of there will be a duology like we had for Kiyoshi as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts? Uh, I think you kind of covered all the things I was going to say. If I. Yeah, I think I got all of my thoughts in. Awesome. All right. So this ends. You want to move on to Final Corner? Yeah, of course. So this comes from Tumblr, as a lot of our, most of our fandom corners come from. This is from Complex, uh, Complex Raspberry on Tumblr. Uh, this is a fan art based off of uh, a text post. So basically, it's Aang talking to his past lives, and he's like, please tell me your life story. And Kirk's like, I spent 16 years wanting to be famous, and the other 15 wanting to die. And then uh, Sato is just like, I'm a secretary. That's it. And then Kyoshi's like, do you want all 200 years of it? And he's like, Aang's like, just the highlights, please. And then Kyoshi conveniently leaves out Jinju the entire time. <laughs> uh, and then Yang Chen's kind of like, oh boy, uh, even the illegal parts. <laughs> uh, and then Aang's just like, has that like emoji of like the the two eyes and like the uh-huh. lips and be like, yeah yeah uh and then roku uh says well my most vivid memory is choking to death on volcanic ash and then ang has this like you know his hands over his mouth like this like a, you know <laughs> deep and take a breath and being like on second thoughts i'm gonna go talk to juan now <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 is our fandom corner i figured we'd have a good laugh about that love it love it all right, let's move on to recommendations. Kayla, what do you recommend this week? Um, I'm not sure if I recommended this on the podcast or not, but uh, Zenny, it's spelled Z-E-N-N-I. It is uh, basically glasses. You can order glasses from here. You put your prescription, uh, your people distance, all that stuff. Very easy to measure that. And you get cool glasses. And they're, like, pretty fucking affordable, too. Like, I got, like, three pairs for, like... $80 and oh. you know there's lots of opportunities to like they have coupons I think they have some Black Friday stuff coming up but either way you get to get cool frames and they're like anywhere from like as low as like $6 to like $32 a frame yeah. like a set you yeah know? I'm looking I'm looking um, at it now yeah it's it's pretty yeah. expensive uh pretty inexpensive sorry yeah like in comparison to what you would normally get from like your eye doctor so you just get your prescription you know, like punch that in measure your pupillary distance they'll show you how to do that uh on the website and you can get fun frames like right now for this episode I'm wearing my pride glasses that i just got today the day that i'm recording this and yeah like i have four pairs now and i definitely want to wear glasses more often because they're just fun they don't have to be boring or you know you don't have to roll your eyes in it being like oh man i have to wear my glasses now my contacts are bothering me like they can be they can be a fun way to express yourself so i highly recommend zenny uh z-e-n-n-i cool um i'm going to go ahead and recommend black panther wakanda forever um we went to go see this opening weekend and i didn't think that i would love a movie uh just as much as black panther i think that's like one of the most perfect movies ever 
and Wakanda Forever definitely stepped up as a worthy sequel. Um, but actually, I think my favorite part about this movie is that it almost didn't feel like a sequel. It felt very much like its own thing, which I really, <laughs> really enjoyed. Um, brilliant performances, brilliant music, just brilliant all around. Um, if you haven't seen it, go and see it. Um, great thing about this is you don't need a whole lot of Marvel lore to back you up. So if you've missed some of the TV shows, if you missed some of the past movies, that is okay. You can go into it. Of course, I would recommend watching Black Panther first if you haven't, but definitely go and see it. It was amazing. I loved it. So if you'd like to stay up to date on what's next for the Avatar Hour, we are on TikTok at the Avatar Hour Pod. It's going to be mostly just goofy videos that I film in my living room, to be honest. But hey, you'll be entertained at least. Um, we're going to try to get back more active on TikTok. That's just been, life's just been nuts for the last few months. We're going to try to get back into it. This has been some good trends that I definitely am excited to make some uh, videos of. And of course, there'll be some previews of our new episodes. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And like I said before, we do get do get a lot of our Fandom Corner from Tumblr. So if you would like to contribute to Fandom Corner and you got any like memes or theories or headcanons or something or just thoughts on what we've shared on the episode, feel free to send it our way through our DMs on the platforms that I just mentioned or email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com. Awesome. And if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life, then consider signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes, Zoom recordings, and much, much more. If you sign up for our $5 Air Acolyte level, you also get access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. That's it for us this week, guys. We will see you guys in two weeks' time for the last four chapters of The Donning and Chen. Uh, but until then, we'll see you soon. My name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Bye.